Hire or not to hire? That is the question on today's special episode with our guest, John Weberg. Today's episode is brought to you by Builderall. They are my favorite all-in-one solution for your online business. Everything you need to start your online business from landing pages to emails to selling your first products, all without breaking the bank. Find out how Builderall can help you grow your online business at servedomaster.com forward slash Builderall. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author, Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. It's awesome to have you because we're talking about something where we started talking to early in fact here on the recording, but to me is near and dear to my heart, which is for a long time, the only way to grow your business past about $100,000 to $200,000 a year was you had to hire. Like that was the one way to scale. And I'm now in the process of going the opposite direction of going like I'm down from 20 employees to two. And the first thing I think is like, I think I can go down to one. Like that's something I've been thinking about this week. And it's not like it's a big expense, but it's also like with paying anyone a, sa- a whole salary. Every time you recapture salary, that's like something you can direct to your family or direct to an investment. And it's just that really big question of, do we really need to have large teams anymore? Because a lot of companies are hitting millions or tens of millions of dollars with sub teams of less than 10 people. So yep. I think so much has changed. What's your experience? My experience is that's going to keep getting, teams will keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. Like we were talking about, I've heard of one instance where there's a team right now operating a few hundred million dollars of sales, and they only have like, I believe, subpar less than 20, maybe even less than 10 employees. And I think it's because as we get more technologically advanced, and as we also learn to hire much higher quality person, like you could probably hire one really good person who can handle anything you need for the next however long. If you take a look, I just actually thought of the scenario. Take a look at what Twitter did as Twitter went viral and all the changes Elon made. They literally like removed, I think it was like 80% of all employees. And whether or not what you think of Elon or whether or not what you think of Twitter, they're still running. So I always think about the startup world as what happens if I have two kids, right? One of my kids, I'm like, hey, you're the oldest get a job. You got to pay for your car. The other kid, I just gave him a hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, you'll figure it out. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's, it's, what you think will happen is exactly what happened. I don't think anybody has ever bought a team ping pong table with their own money. Like you can tell when people are spending other people's money because they buy things like fair trade coffee, like companies, like when it's your own money and you're struggling to put ends meet, you're like, I got to look out for me first, right? And you deploy money in a completely different way as opposed to when it's someone else. You get this mindset that I think comes from government funding. The way government funding works is if they give you a budget of 10 million this year and you spend 9.5, next year they give you 9.5. Right, so right. That you have this mindset of like, I have to spend whatever I have or I won't have it next year. Like I'll be, pun- <laughs> you get punished for all. You get punished for it, right, right. And that's a bad way to do things and it, encourages a lack of leanness, which is why we see these tech companies, a lot of them, right? They downsize like thousands of jobs and no one notices. You realize that like almost everyone who works at Google doesn't work on search engines. They all work on like their crazy ideas, right? Like Google Glass or 
Google Wave or Google Circle or all these other things that you forget. They're not working on an old idea. They're working on a new idea. They're just working on the expansion phase. So just like we didn't even notice it, right? Facebook hired what? Like a ton of people did a bunch of VR, realized no one wants that. No one wants that. <laughs> hired all the people. Like they just have these bad ideas, these huge investments, and they use these teams to deploy it. But more and more, the really specialized skills are going to disappear. Like you don't really need a video editor anymore because now there's AI software that can take your video and it's only going to get better, right? And edit and edit and yep. better, get better script writers. Like the things that anything I would hire someone on Fiverr to do, I can now have my AI do it. And that I'm not going to chat GPT, not even an expensive AI. More and more things are coming out. And I use Midjourney, and now there's a new free tool that does images with text on it that can spell right. That's only been out for about seven or eight days. So even the tools that replaced my last employee, now there's better tools. And so it's getting to a point where I think that it's going to be a lot of entrepreneurs with one or two people, which means if you yep. want to be working on a small team, you have to do your own thing. You have to actually be an entrepreneur or work for a really large company. And the thing that so many people think, and this happens is that they measure each other by how many employees they have. This is a danger that can happen. It's happened to me where I go, how many employees you got? What are you spending on employees? And Oh, you only have a few? Well, uh, yeah. oh, what, right. what are you? You can't <laughs> handle it. And you bring in complexity, like no matter what yes, you do. Yes, that's the biggest issue is bringing in, making things way too complex. Real quick example of this. There was a freelancing project because every once in a while, if something catches my eye, I like to do a little freelancing. So website design, I'll do consulting, I'll do, I'm really good at email marketing. I give myself the kudos of one of the best there is. So I decided to do email marketing for a company called Jopwell and Jopwell had a very large budget, let's say that. So they hired me on, but they already had one or two email marketers on their team. Hmm, strange. Then after about a month or two of being with them, working on their projects, things are actually going well, their open rates, their click-through rates are increasing, everything else, you name it. Everything's going good. They hire two more email marketers. When I was doing the job of all the email marketing already, so we have, what, five email marketers handling, you know, because... I think there's a yeah a need for complexity. They as businesses get more corporatey, I assume, and as businesses get more, as they get larger and larger, they think they need to solve all these really really tiny problems. Like, or click through rate is down from last year by three percent. Let's get that up three percent. Let's hire someone who just specializes in click through rates. But your biggest concern is not that. You know, you have much bigger fish to fry if you were to stop looking at all these little tiny tiny little nitty gritty details in some cases. So they had five email marketers when they could have me who's doing the work anyways, one. And as well, I think, like you're saying, is teams are also going to decrease. One, because AI can do the job of what most people can do. Unless you become super competent, which is what you're going to need to do in the upcoming age of everything AI is going to do, which is absolutely insane. Most people, actually, I just realized this as well. Most people who are not in the entrepreneur world still don't know what's going on. Like I talked to my, my girlfriend's parents and they're like, chat G GQP? I'm like, oh, you don't even have comprehension of what's about to happen. Yeah, it's going to be a purge. I think that within two right. or three years, if you say, I don't know who's AI, you're just going to be fired. I actually think the job market's going to go through a dangerous place because of that. That's why this is a big thing I tell everybody. Like, you got to learn it now because it's you're in the optional phase, right? It's kind right. of like in the 70s when graphing calculators became ubiquitous, people could afford them. They went from $10,000 to like $30. If you were 
an accountant or if you're doing stuff in science and you had a chance to switch from slide rule to graphing calculator for a while, but if after a few years you're like, yeah, I'm not learning that, they're like, that's cool, but you're, you're fire. You're null and void. You don't have the skill set required to, yeah. Imagine an accountant right now that goes, yeah, I don't do spreadsheets. I do it by hand. Like I do, you know, you'd like, well, right. not you, there's, it's, so it's not like an optional technology. It is in a phase where we're not sure exactly how to integrate with every job, but it lets you do every job faster. So yes, it's for me, it's the integration of how you know the skill set and knowledge you have to use the AI to do your job better. Even if everyone's a robot, you always need the robot wrangler. You need the person that's oiling the robots and fixing the robots. And like, I remember they put in the TVs at the McDonald's here, man, those things never work right. Like there's more people working at McDonald's now because. And they make them, they make, what they make you do is take the order from the machine, you print it out, and then they re-enter it by hand into the other machine. And I was like, they have, and they have brought an inefficiency into this place that has given the, it actually, it's better for the employees, right? Now they have, they don't, there's never a long line in front of them, the long lines in front of the TV, but everything else is the same. Not that I go to McDonald's all the time, but I just, it's the one place where they bought in the TVs and I was like, this is, doesn't done anything. <laughs> no right, 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 right. No, no. So it's very interesting to see this kind of phase happening where before, like two or three years ago, and everything was about staff and hiring staff. And I remember reading the book Traction, which was like, oh, you, it was all about, you've had these employees that have been with you five, 10, 20 years. And I was like, none of this works with my employees. And I realized that everything in that book is irrelevant. It's the world doesn't exist that way. Even older people job jump. It's very right. rare to meet someone who hasn't changed their between companies or between right. anything in the last 10 or 20 years, like most people now have been through multiple jobs or oh, totally. multiple projects, even as entrepreneurs, right? We don't always do the same thing. Like you get bored, you'll go, I'll do an email project with this company. I'll take a client myself right. because I love that cash injection. And it, it brings me to what I think is very important for entrepreneurs. There's something I've been thinking about all week is that most entrepreneurs, if you ask them what their problem is, they will say traffic. And <laughs> I always think about that. I go, well, what if you charged a million dollars per client? Would you still have a traffic problem? Well, no. Right? You, no. If you get one client, right? So it's really perception. Yep. You don't need you don't need a million people to see. You just need 10 to buy. And it's starting to think in this other way of how big of a size audience do you actually need in order to monetize? How much money do you actually need to make? And what happened? So I knew a company that was doing $2 million a year. They hired a lot of staff and they didn't, the two owners didn't start making the same amount of money until the company was doing 20 million. So they had to make 18 million more dollars to grow with all of that staff. And I've seen a lot of companies do this where they hire, especially when they hire all Western staff all, and they're all working at a location. So you have to spend office space is so expensive and it becomes your biggest expense. And you have, then you have to grow to cover that cost. And of course, then you're not allowed to go to the office for two years. You still have to pay for it because landlords are more important than tenants, obviously. But <laughs> you get caught in these cycles. And I think. The most important lesson that I've kind of learned over the last few years is it's easier to save a dollar than it is to make a dollar. Like it's not even close. Every time right. my wife is spending money, I'm like, just so you know, it's not the same level of easiness. Okay. It's no, it's, it's, it's much harder to acquire more money. And that's the biggest thing too. Like you take a look at your perfect analogy of if you made, let's just say if you made double what you made per customer now, most businesses go, well, that's amazing. I can scale so much faster. Well, what if you also had the just scenario, 
you had double the open rates of your emails, double the click-through rates of your emails. If you had double the conversion rates of your checkout carts, of your upsells, of your downsells, if you know, you start stacking all these different things, you don't need 30 more employees. You need like one really good person to optimize some of what you already have in place. And that alone could multiple times increase your overall profit, like ridiculously. You don't need to go and expand because actually most likely the biggest problem isn't leads or expanding. Most of what you're doing right now is just actually super inefficient or doesn't even technically work right now. You've just barely made it affordable. Yeah, it's very hard to get an employee, get them trained up, and they do something that's worth more than they cost. Right. In my experience, like I know I have one friend who's very good at it. Out of everyone I know in this business, everyone interview on the show and everyone I talk to, it's very rare. And I get a lot of messages from people that want to be on the show that are experts at helping other companies like staff up. And I was like, yeah, but it's like, you're not, you don't have a large staff. Like that's a different thing. It's so easy to be a consultant and tell people to do stuff. And I get that by the way, because there is a value in, oh, I can, I'm very good at accelerating something. Makes sense. But dude, when it comes to staffing, I find that most of the time, it's not the right move anymore. A few years ago, it made a lot of sense. It made sense when I was doing some things, but more and more now, the market is shifting towards micro influencers or smaller influencers, which is you can be like, I just got invited to a special Amazon program. You only needed 300 followers on social media. Like it no longer is it the, what people figured out what I've been saying for years is like, I would rather pay for 10 people with 10,000 followers or one person with a hundred thousand followers. Cause I'm a much better chance they're close to our audience. They actually answer the emails. Yeah. They're going to cost less than 10% of the price, by the way, right? They talk like usually 1% of the price. So that's really where I think the future is like the fracturing of the market to where you no longer have these big overarching brands. And most of the time you have overhead is what kills most businesses. I think this is something that especially people from traditional worlds, like my sister, I was like, I think she, my sister's a fashion world. I was like, listen, you work with me. We can launch a fashion blog. I know exactly what will work. I have a friend who runs a seven-figure fashion blog, okay? Maybe it's eight figures now. Huge, huge company. So I know exactly the person I'll talk to, exactly all the things work. Shows great. Once I do that, I'll open a brick-and-mortar store. I was like, in a brick-and-mortar store dream world, you make you profit at 3%. Right, so right. Me, like, my heart stopped. That's I couldn't survive on a 3% profit margin. I When I start a project, if I put $10,000 into a project, I want to take 30 out. Like, I can't imagine... right. $100,000 and thing at the end of the year, I'll have $3,000. How? Yeah. People don't realize a lot of how the, of the physical world profit margins are not the same as online business can be. People complain about like, Oh, Amazon only pays a 4% commission. I'm like that's the profit. If you start your own business competing with them, that's the profit you can hope to get. It's like, <laughs> right. we get so used to high numbers that we, get lost in it. And the part of it is that whenever you hire people, you either hire someone from a foreign country and you have to train them up or you hire someone from the West and you have to train them down because they go, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Anytime someone has a degree in social media, they're a moron. <laughs> like that's been my experience a hundred percent of the time that they, or they've done social media for a large yeah. brand. And oh, the first but is they've never done tracking. So if you're doing the only way you get fired if you're doing Twitter for Coke is if you accidentally post something political or racist. Otherwise, right. accidentally. Otherwise, you're basically unfireable because they don't track any of that. I was in negotiations with one of the big five publishers to publish a new book for me. And he was, I was like, well, here's how much money my customers spend per week. Here's how large my mailing list is. He goes, yeah, but how many Twitter followers do you have? And I had that moment where you realize that you're negotiating with someone who probably 
should still be living with his parents because his understanding of how the world works. I was like, Oh, you're one of the, he's probably one of the eight people that read Harry Potter and said, this is trash. Right. <laughs> eight people read that book, said it was trash, cost their boss a billion dollars and didn't right. get fired. Right. Which Literally. I, I have a standard policy. If you lose me more than a million dollars, you're fired, but a billion, come on. Like that's insane. And that's traditional publishing is misses. Their miss rate is like, I think nine out of a hundred books they publish are bad, or maybe it's even higher. Now. Like they have such a high miss rate that right. it's why would you ever go to a publisher? They have no odds. And I had all these conversations and he was like, yeah, but Twitter, I was like, have you ever met someone who saw a tweet and bought a book? I don't even know anyone who uses it and not to bash on Twitter. I just don't, I've never met anyone who actually uses Twitter. Right. Unless they're, unless they're teaching Twitter. Unless they're, yeah, Twitter. Unless they're mainly t- a Twitter guru or they're, kind of trying to use it to generate leads, but not yeah, if, really. Mm-hmm. I've never met someone who's like, oh yeah, Twitter's where I talk to all my friends. Uh, same thing about Facebook, like any social media platforms. Like to me, we have these really big misperceptions and it's like you, the problem with people that come from a world where there's no tracking, mm-hmm. there's inefficiencies, right? Because corporations have been running commercials and television forever. Like they still do ads in the yellow pages. Cause they're oh, like, totally, totally. And it's because also, for example, like the track, the reason why like tracking Google, you know, like Coke doesn't care about tracking also because I believe they're getting growth no matter what, no matter who runs their social media campaign on Twitter. Oh, we're up 10,000 followers automatically. You must be doing, but it's because they have such a broad reach anyways, you name it. And then, yeah, it's a completely different world. The small business versus the corporation, the marketing skills, every person I've talked to, for example, that's like gone to school or gone to college for marketing business like you're saying not there at all with anything that's going on in any digital marketing so i just worked with i won't say her name this lady who does hiring and she brought on someone to work with her she says oh she's just uh, fresh out of college for four years she'll do amazing the person who she hired goes i have no idea what's going on right now can you help me with some of this stuff i go but you just got out of four years of and this is stuff I learned within probably six months of when I was 13 years old when I first got started. So there's a huge difference in the discrepancies. Yeah, you want to hire someone fresh out of high school, to be honest with you. Like, I would much rather get someone fresh out of high school that's hungry and knows they don't know than someone I just, same thing when I went to college. Like, if I had a degree in social media from college, I would have a degree in MySpace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How relevant would that be? <laughs> right, and none. That's, <laughs> that's the problem. And I taught, you know, I taught at university and I was teaching on a master's in marketing course because mm-hmm. they were just at the other teacher quit. And I was like, I don't know. So I brought in people. I was living in London. I go, oh, I'll just bring in all the people I know that are millionaires. So I brought in like the number three guy at Spotify. I brought in a guy who was doing $10 million a year in CPA ads. I brought in all these people. I brought another guy who started a, comp- a shoe company and went to China, found a factory and was doing a couple million dollars a year in shoes. And I was looking at the audience and they were like, none of this is in the book. I'm like, oh, it's much better than what's in the book. I was like, you guys should realize <laughs> these people that normally get them to speak in an event is like $50,000. Like these are unbelievably high quality people that I just happened to have this amazing network. And it was really probably the best opportunity any of these people ever have because it's not great college. To be honest, I was, I was teaching at the best of the best yet, but they completely missed it. And that's because traditional education doesn't really encourage free thinking. It teaches you how no, to- not at all. It teaches you to be really good in a cubicle, but I think that that era is winding down the idea and the way now everyone wants to work from home, which 
once people get a taste of that, it's kind of like if a lion eats a human, you have to kill, kill the lion because it will just keep eating humans. And you get these people that go, oh, I worked from home for a little while. Like, yeah, but you did a really bad job, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I was like, right. I'm not wearing pajama pants right now. Like, I, you know what I mean? I'm not right. doing those things that yeah. people do because it's, a- it's all on me. When you're at home and you get paid whether you perform or not, that's the problem. So people think all- the when you're an entrepreneur and you work from home, to me, it seems like they think that it's just complete freedom. And initially, it is 1,000% not. And even as you become very successful, you are busy. You have a lot to work you do. And if you're not working, if you're not making things happen, your business is going nowhere. No money is going to be coming in. So, yeah, it's I get told all the time, people have events. My girlfriend has events. Her family has events. My family has events. Like, oh, you, you can just come and do whatever, whenever. I'm like... Sometimes I can do that. Not all the time, because otherwise I don't have a business. Yeah, my dad gave me this piece of advice a few years ago. And he was like, listen, you got to take a half a day off every week. He goes, you, you shouldn't work more than six and a half days a week. And I was like, guess I'm a second generation workaholic. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know where it came from? Because I was like, I'm never going to work hard like my dad, because he was he worked so hard. And then, of course, I'm I have a different setup than he did because I get to work from home. That's the one advantage. I get to work from home. But that's also the disadvantage because like sometimes you're working on something that requires you to really think about all the moving parts and someone comes in and distracts you and it's like kicking over your house of cards. Yeah, everything just goes, oh, I was just in my mode. Yeah. 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 And it's there's all the upsides and all the downsides. Like I were everyone's like, exactly. I live on a tropical island, but guess you know what that means? Is that last night I was shooting videos and appearing on podcasts and I, my, I finished my last meeting at 5 a.m. Right. And I was like, oh, you're in that limbo where you have to make it where you're like, do I go to bed? Because the kids are up in an hour. <laughs> right. Like it's that thing. And I didn't go to bed. I was like, I just got to roll around. My wife's not here right now. She's with one of our kids out of town. So I'm like, I'll just do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like a weird day. And then I started having audio hallucinations and I tried to take a nap. It didn't work. I was like, this isn't go. This is not what I wanted to happen. I should have went to sleep. <laughs> well, I just couldn't. St- and then the thing is I had to work again. Right. And I like, didn't right. work for a couple of hours this morning, but I had to make up for by working more this afternoon. But that's when you work for yourself, you get all the reward, but you also get all of the risk. And right. this is the other thing that I think is very interesting. So important is risk management. So sometimes clients will come to me with an all commission project. So, oh, you'll get to ride or die with this. You'll get to do the idea. Yeah. And I've worked with enough people that they don't launch it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, oh, totally. Oh, you create the product and then we'll put it out there, but then they never do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking with really big brands. I'm talking that's happened to me with uh, a billion dollar company. I'm sure they, now, they, they, they do use nothing that you used to go, you know, we're just not going to move in that direction. Like, they go, you just listen. hired me. <laughs> no, they, we were doing a project. They brought me outside. They go, listen, we, our other thing just picked up. We've put about $30,000 into this project. We're just going to give you all the assets and you can run it on your own. So they were really cool about it, which was like, most people aren't that cool about it. They were like, the other thing we're doing is making so much money right now. Talking to you is actually losing me money. <laughs> it's like, we don't have time for the side right now. That's cool. We ended on good terms, right? It wasn't a really bad thing, but that other things I've worked on, you know, nothing comes of it or there's mission creep. And that's why the most important thing I think an entrepreneur can learn is risk management, which is there's a reason I still take ghostwriting clients. I got a massive cash injection today, which I needed because of a medical emergency, which ate through our reserves. We had a back to back. We have another medical emergency tomorrow and this just paid for that. That's why I still keep the other things in. The slow money comes. I made a lot of money this week, 
But as you know, when you make money as an affiliate marketer and online, you have to wait 30 or 45 or 60 days to actually get paid. So you can see the money, you can spend the money in your head, but you can't touch the money. <laughs> yeah, that's an, another big thing to learn, I think, for especially entrepreneurs and people who are just getting started in business and who are bringing money in is don't count on, my dad always taught me, don't count on future money until it's, until it's in your bank, you see the digits. Be very careful with overspending going, oh, I can do this and this and this. Because especially with like projects, they can stop working with you out of nowhere. Businesses, I just work with a, a client, one of the affiliate marketplaces, I won't name which one. You know, there's a couple major ones, affiliate marketplaces. I built out, you don't even want to know how much I built out. It was a four or five month project. They used maybe 10% of what I built over four or five months. And I'm like, so what? now we're into something <laughs> special. Do you build that into your pricing? No, but I should. Okay. So now I'm going to teach you something. <laughs> I build, because I go write books for people, I build into the price if they never publish it. <laughs> because That's it smart. So the price has gone up significantly. And my editor at one point was like, doesn't it hurt your feelings when they don't publish it? I go, no, that's like 14% of the price. Right. 20% <laughs> of the price is how annoying, the buffer for annoyingness. Some, right. some clients really cool. I've been at a client that was my coolest client. And as soon as the book finished, he kind of then, and I was like, oh, that's weird, but I'm glad it's finished and I got paid. And then you got like uncool. Right. And that can happen. You never know how a client's going to play out. A lot of clients disappear after the second payment. They never read the rough draft. Mm -hmm. so that also, I never expect the final payment. That's not built into it. That's a bonus for me. Like you have to build that right. structure. The assumption that, and this is something I've learned from projects, the assumption of, okay, what happens if it dies in each of these phases? Right. I need to get paid up front from the first payment that if nothing else yeah. happens, I'm annoyed, right? I never want to be down in a project. And that's a very, very, very critical place to be is that level of control. And a lot of people don't understand that. They think, oh, once you get a certain level of success, you stop taking client work. It's like, no, some, sometimes you need fast cash because a project slows down or an idea stops working. One of my friends was, my first mentors was doing a million dollars, millions and millions of dollars. Every single week, he would do one webinar, do $20,000, do one thing. He didn't need to deal with JVs. He didn't do anything. Right. He only went to events just to like hang out. And then one day, his traffic source went out of business. Right. What do you do? Or your Facebook account shut down or your TikTok shut, shut down. And that's it. Yeah. The I've been through so many TikTok accounts. Like I just, <laughs> that's just how it is. That's the other thing is that you have to know which platforms you're going to be with for a long time. Like I'll never lose my Pinterest, but I'm on like my sixth TikTok. Right. Understanding how the platforms work is very important. And that's the thing is that when you're figuring out scaling now, it's so much of it is automation and knowing when to partner and when to not. Like I would never do a full on business partner, but I'll partner on a project. Like I'm partners yes. on yes. my main offer right now, but I'm not partners on the upsell to it. Right. I'm not partners on the coaching thing. So my partner's like, listen, I have a lifestyle business. I don't want to do that part. And I was like, that's good for you. You don't want to do it. And I want to make twice as much money. So we have like a win for both of us, which I was, I didn't think it was going to happen. Right. And you're in that thing. And I'm put things in different positions because you never know which revenue stream is going to die. Like the danger of having a job right. is it takes one market shock that one revenue stream is gone. And your online business or your home business, if it's one revenue stream, it's absolutely gone. Like I follow this guy. This I have this new favorite YouTube channel where this guy opens Funko Pops. Yeah, I know those are. Yeah. I would never buy one of those. Like I, because we, where I live in Asia, we see them all the time. I have no idea which ones are real and fake and how they're valued. And it's a whole thing is like, oh, the stickers on the outside, you don't ever open the box, right? Like, why would you like, don't touch it. 
you just don't have actually it in the use box. it <laughs> if it's in the paper so you can't see it even better like all of that stuff but he also does and he's doing very well at this but he also does videos where he opens returned mail <laughs> like oh <laughs> It's like, and you get, you're going to get some gross stuff in return mail or yeah, like it's yeah. all returns from Amazon or all returns from Walmart. And you have no idea what you're going to do. He's also does sneakers. Mm, nice. Very, very sophisticated market. If you don't know yes, how sophisticated screwed. sneaker people are, because when I was in Japan, uh, 15, almost 20 years ago, we're walking the street. My friend goes, wait, those Jordans on the street stall are undersold are undervalued. I could buy those and sell on eBay and make $20. So like, right. What? You have to be very, it's a very, very sophisticated market compared to anything else because it, everything matters. And Fungo Pops is, of course, very risky. It's like Beanie Babies. There's still a yep. few Beanie Babies that have value only because there's just a, still a few people around. Mm-hmm, <laughs> there's just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one or two suckers left. But it's very interesting to me to see even people that are in that diversify even within the thing. And then someone has a good YouTube channel, they open a second YouTube channel. And that's because most of the time when you go out of business, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. The floor, so for example, Funko just fired everyone. They, what do you call it when you landfill $40 million worth of dolls? I don't know if there's a special word for it, but they just did that. They emptied this- I'm sure, right? Emptied it out. Because they made all these dolls of like characters from, let's just say they maybe shouldn't have partnered with Disney so much. Like a lot of shows, nobody be watching. Right, uh, right, the new ones. Yeah. They do this and it's, well, it's, they do all the characters. You don't know who they are. Right. So and no advice. They're doing extras. Yep. It's like, yep. stop doing extra. Don't do a show. No one's seeing and an extra, like stick to characters that have a name, right. Or the character doesn't have a last name. That mean usually means they're not right. It's like a, the actor only had three lines, but you, that's a mistake. And they had to mulch. Maybe that's a pulp or mulch. I know when you do a book, yeah. turn into paper again, $40 million worth of the, the whole warehouse inventory. And then, they just fired, I think, 90% of staff or 95% of staff. But what's interesting is it hasn't affected. It actually, that kind of thing doesn't affect the market because it just increased the rarity of everything. Right. For a while, people still collect these things. And now, because there's, I think there's 22,000 of those dolls that exist. 22,000 different variations. Oh, and that's, yeah, that's crazy. I may or may not have a, a couple selective ones. <laughs> and that's the thing is that it's a... Even if you're in a mark, if you're in a market like that, you have to be aware enough to know that the floor can drop out. So you need at to any moment open up second revenue streams. That's right. Why. Think, I was going to say, thinking of like AI and what's happening, every email marketer, every person who's responsible for running ads, every person who writes any type of copy or runs any data of any kind. If you're listening to this, is a hint of like what will happen for the majority of people who are in your space who are, if you're at like a medium competency or low you better get good. You better get really good real quick because the floors are going to drop out in the next five years very quickly. I was talking to one of my friends last night who is one of those well-known copywriters in the world, does nine, 10 figures every single year his company. And I was like, hey, I wrote a bot that talks like you. And he goes, what? <laughs> and I go, what? <laughs> what? And he goes, oh. <laughs> he said, Whoa. I said, no, I'm not going to release this. I said, I wrote this as a present for you mm-hmm. so that you could have something to mess around with. I said, if you copy and paste this in the chat GPT and he's like, and he was reading it and he goes, that's not exactly how I say it. Like one of his phrases, but it only had one word off. And he was like, it's, but it's very really close. It's ridiculously close. Like, so, and I can do me just if it knows who you are and the AIs are going to more and more of that, but you have to adapt. I think that's the biggest lesson is to adapt to the way things are changing. A lot of the lessons in business books are so irrelevant anymore. You know, 
very few people, even people that big companies, right? People at Twitch jumped to NVIDIA, then they jumped to Facebook. Like they're jumping between tech companies. Even people at the biggest companies aren't sticking around. Very rarely do you see someone stay with the same company. Like my dad was independent and then all of his clients merged. They all got bought by one company and they go, why is this guy on the outside? It doesn't make sense mm -hmm. because he was now a one client person. So then he was in-house, which has a lot of advantages because it offers a lot of security. Mm -hmm. And it did make sense because all of his clients were now one. They'd all merged into one company. So that can happen. And it was like 50, 50 different clients were all now one client. So right. I saw it happen and he did stay there and took for like 20 years. Right. And it was like, oh, okay, he was on his own for years and with a company for 20 years and it worked out for him. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's going to happen less and less. You see people right. jumping around because it's so much easier to apply for a job at a competitor and get paid 20% more than to ask for a raise. Right. Like, nope. And keep doing that. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Go, oh, I can get paid 10% more here, 20% more here. You repeat, can repeat. That's how at 29, I was running like a multi-million dollar budget at the 19th best university in America because I just kept jumping between universities where people, everyone else got their master's with me. So I'm going to go back to my old job. I'm getting an extra 50 cents an hour. And I was like, why are you here? That's insane to me. So yeah. even now, when I think about project or money, I expect to get such a return. Mm -hmm. Like when I first started ghostwriting for client books in like 2016, I was taking on clients because I was in a bad situation. I charged $800 a book. For ghostwriting, I've written books. That's a lot, not very much money for a lot of work. One of my, yeah, one of my books did a million dollars in revenue. It became a huge direct response book. They did a million dollars with it. I was like, Okay, oh. wait a minute. So I was like, you know what? Next one's going to be 1600 Now I charge right. $50,000. Why? Right. Because people always, and I don't want 50. I want 40. I know I have to ask for a little bit more to get knocked down because then the person feels good. I was like, oh, if you ask for 40, you're going to get 35 or, and, the rest, and you'll be happy, right? It's still a lot of money for less work, but the real money is constantly going up. And people say to me all the time, how do you find clients? I'm like, oh, I just keep raising the price because- as you have more and more people that say how good you are, then it's just like, you don't have to do anything. The secret to, like I said at the beginning, when people think, is it traffic or is it conversion or traffic or it's your offer? It's like, yeah, you just have to make your offer more expensive so that when you find the right client, it's the right fit and you can deliver that thing for them. Like not everyone's the right fit for every company. And that's so important. Even if you're an employee, you have to start thinking of your business as your job. Like I love, you can always tell when someone's been fired because they, you see all LinkedIn sends you all the updates about their profile getting an update. Oh, someone's got <laughs> the headline. Someone has this. I'm like, oh, someone right. got fired. Or someone sees the writing on the wall, which is usually not that. Right. And by then it's too late because you have the stink on you. It's the same thing as when you're in a relationship, every girl's looking your way, and then you get single. You go, hey, I'm single now. They go, yeah, yeah. gross. <laughs> <laughs> right, what? right. And that's the same thing. Like you can actually, if you're unemployed for more than 90 days, you go toxic, which is not your fault, right? You lose your job. It's downturn in the economy. It's, and everyone at the same job as you, right? Like who wants to hire someone that says Bear Stearns? Like, didn't you guys just drive your company to the ground? Or didn't you guys just get a big SEC violation? Imagine if like right. your resume just says, oh, I just worked at FDX for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and you go, I wasn't in on it. And you're like, it's kind of worse. It's like, oh. So you're like a dummy. It's even worse. Right. There's no way to win. And it's not your fault. And there's tons of people at every company that didn't know on it, right? But that's the thing is that you have to prepare before the emergency. You have to have them go back now, not after the fire starts. And that's what most people are doing is they think, they still think that we have lifetime jobs. 
They don't have that in Japan anymore. Japan had that in the 60s. They love that culture of lifetime, careers, jobs, all that stuff too. It's gone. Japan doesn't have that. Japan hasn't had that since the 80s. The last people that had that were like retired in the 90s. It's been gone. So even the place we think has, it doesn't have it anymore. But we create this thing where we believe that loyalty is a two-way street. And this is a harsh lesson. Here's a big secret to everyone out there. Your boss hates you. Wherever you work, whatever you're doing, your boss is paying you less than you're worth. Otherwise, your company would go out of business. And in the business world, in the business world, there is very little loyalty as well. Especially in, I've seen in our affiliate marketing journey, we've seen loyalty to us back in four cases, four cases. It's so rare. You have to, yeah, I got this email from someone today that was like, oh, well, we only do reciprocations and this and this. And I go, I don't understand your email because I only do cross promos. I don't know what you mean. I said, here's what I normally, right. here's how much I normally make when I generate how many sales I can hear, how many clicks I can send. I'm not sure what you're asking. Right. Because I was sending, I think she thought I was saying, well, you promote my offer and I don't promote you, which I don't do that very often. Right. But I was, that was not the email I sent. I was like, I'm looking to promote your stuff. And it was, I was like, I was so confused. And she goes, oh my gosh, I completely misread what you said. I was like, yeah, because I'm confused. Now you're like talking about reciprocation. I was like, I thought that's what I emailed you about in the first place. But they're very much, there are some people out there that are very cool and they're, you just got to find them. But you also have to know that it's not always the affiliate. Like there's some offers out there. People will have you try and get you to promote their stinker that they hope will turn good. Yeah. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? And you get in these situations where people do a, a I know in both sides of the market, people do a lot of emotional pressure. It's like, Hey, we promoted you two years ago. You really owe us. And I'm in a situation where I have a huge amount of leverage because I've promoted a lot of people one way, like a lot over the last couple of years. Cause right, I right. And I don't go, listen, I mailed you three and a half years ago. You have to mail me back. That's a wrong approach. What I will say is I go, listen, I promoted you in the past. Is there something we're kind of, I realize your list is bigger than mine. Can you just mail a sub list? Can we figure something out like that? Right, right. Um, I'm always trying to find that parody because you never know. And it's also like, you never know when people are going to do a deal. I was working on a really big deal last year where these kids were going to make probably 10 or $20 million this year. And then they stole all the money way too soon. I was like, guys, you should, if you're going to do this, you should have waited one more year. You guys really did your big move at the wrong time. You had your little plot. I was like, you guys are doing it at the wrong time. And you'll see, right? You should have waited a little bit longer if you're going to do this, but it is what it is. And that's the thing is that people do that. I had a guy one time I was working with, he tried to steal a bunch of money from an affiliate. And I was like, they owe you money. You more like, again, I was like, you're right. so, what a mistake. I was like, you stopped returning their messages. We don't owe them money. I was like, and you know, the person that introduced me to that guy, I was like, listen, man, you set me up an introduction with this guy. That's not cool. And so he was like, I don't know why you're blaming me. I was like, oh, I just told you I'm blaming you. Like you brought someone into my life that was unethical. Right, like, right. The important, the thing that you think when you get into online business, you think that it's all technical and science. It's all handshakes and trust. Dude, it's all handshakes and behind the doors and mirrors and emotions. And I know him, he knows me, he knows her. And maybe we, it's a lot less of yeah, mathematics and defined. It's a wild, wild place working with people. There's a guy who wouldn't pay me out. I forget what his reasoning was. He was like, oh, you didn't earn the prize because of this one little thing. I was like, listen, man, it's $2,000. You think I can do $2,000 worth of PR damage to you? So I called the two top JV networks. I said, don't carry this guy's offer anymore. More, than, more. He should have just paid you the $2,000. I wasn't even blackmailing. <laughs> it literally was on the leader. Right. It's not my fault your offer didn't convert, right? Like that's your problem. 
Right, I sent right. The traffic. You should have made the sales because I'm a consistent person. I know exactly how many sales I should make. I know where I should be on a yeah. leaderboard. Every time yeah. I wrote something, I know my numbers well enough. And I was like, and listen, you have to understand that I take things very personally. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have to realize that people, when people are nice, it doesn't, nice is not weakness, right? Nice is you're waiting for your opportunity to finally do the thing you've always wanted to do to someone, which is devastate their business over $2,000. I was like, just, I, I was like, whatever justification you have right now, I'm going to tell everyone that you don't pay out. And as you know, that's a reputation kill. I haven't heard of that guy now from two years. Oh, he was yeah. If, especially in our industry, if you get called out and it's right about something you've done like that, your business is done. You have no, no one will work with you. And again, but for me, I, I'm very same. I'm a very ethical type of person. Good. If you are screwing people over, because let's just say it wasn't you. Let's just say it was someone else. That two grand could have been like there. I need that fucking two grand. Yeah. So if you it's, screw over people's livelihoods. Yeah. It's from that people get into. And this is really big. 10 years ago was these affiliates. They do one launch a year and then they run out of money until the next year's launch. And so they have like this huge dip. So you have to be careful with the cyclical business. Again, that's why you bring in other things so that yes, you have other to. things happening throughout the year. It's very important to really cultivate your business because you don't know what can happen. And it can even be your employee. We've seen some companies this year make like one decision, like, and then their stock tanks 30, 40, 60%. Literally. Like I saw this safe company that I'd never heard of before. And they were like, yeah, we opened the safe without needing a warrant. I, 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 I heard about the story. That's it. I was like, oh, you're out of business. Because literally your entire job as a safe company is to keep things safe. It's in your name. Yeah, yeah safe, safe. <laughs> it's literally the entire thing. And the fact that you go, well, oh, they had a court order saying you had to open it? No. What? They had a court order about someone else and they showed it to us, but our name, your name wasn't on it. No, but we, and it's like, man, and they're like, and of course, you know, whenever you're going to post the commentary and off, and it doesn't matter how you feel about the politics, because I don't care about that. I care about the politics of business. And it's so interesting now because we've entered a phase where one person who is a social media manager and I always social media managers in corporate are dummy. They kind of mess stuff up, don't they? They get a visit from the good idea fairy, which you may know of from the military. That's the one who every time an officer has a good idea, the enlisted people have to go do that idea, get very nervous. I thought of a new way. What well, we don't oh. want to do a new way. We <laughs> new should way do the way. old way that worked. The old way it's worked great. great. So, yeah, and it's like, oh, I have an idea because I want to really change our demographic, which is the hardest thing you can do to business. Or I want to try this idea because I've never had consequences in my life. And even now, I'll tank your company. I'll cost hundreds of people their job, millions of dollars and millions of dollars, and I'll still have my job. Or another company will hire me because I can hop through. I saw it happen with the video game recently. It was so crazy. The video game was so bad. They shuttered the studio. <laughs> Which game? The charge, like, oh, I'm just going to go back to Microsoft. It's like you ran a $100 million project into the ground, which is like so crazy things that people can do. It's like you should not be, you shouldn't get a second chance once no. over a certain. And it's like you see these people have an idea. They go, what if we really change it? Because if there's one people play video games like, it's change. <laughs> what if we really right, change right. It? What if we completely change all of the rules or do something new that always ends well, right? Like that's one thing people are like, oh, my favorite hobby. Yeah, I really want you to change things up and see it in movies now. And what people are starting to realize is that like small creators, as we were talking about before, like I'm watching smaller YouTube channels because I know they read the comments, right? 
large enough, if you go to a large enough scale, I've always been fascinated by men who leave the 500,000th comment on a woman's picture on Instagram. Mathematically, it's impossible for her to read your comment. <laughs> Literally. Literally. If she was reading comments one per second for the rest of her life, she would never get to your comment. Right. But there's still someone doing that. There's still people leaving reviews of the Bible or leaving review of Harry Potter. I want to be the million five hundred thousandth review of this. So people have this intense desire to be heard. But if you follow someone smaller, right? Like I don't have a team of certified coaches. The one thing I got to wind this down because I know we've been going a long time is that whenever someone's like, you I don't want to learn lessons from someone who's not an entrepreneur, right? Like, right. I don't right. want to learn how to do something for someone who's never done it. It's always interesting when someone's like, I'm a certified coach. It's like, yeah, you're a certified employee. Like, you don't know what it's like on the other side of the wall, out in the cold, like a real spy. Like, that's the difference. And so when you're thinking about where to get your advice, you can always tell, like from conversations like this, I would have given away 50 tells if I was faking it. You would have known so quickly because... You always say the thing that's the wrong phrase or the something weird. You haven't had the experience. And that's what right. you really get from conversations like this is knowing, okay, I'm talking to someone that actually knows their stuff because it's very easy. There's so much advice out there right now that is just so abysmal. That's my least favorite thing in the business world it is people realize, you have to realize that the majority of the, the leaders, the people with the biggest followings, except for a very select few, most of their information isn't always applicable to you. And a lot of it can be absolute trash. Like, be very careful, no matter what you're doing, whether it's your, your, your relationships, whether it's your business, whether it's your mindset, very careful with who you listen to information from. That's been the biggest filtering, filtering out shit has been my biggest like, okay, this is how I advance anything a lot easier because I'm not listening to bullshit. Recently in a new market where I mentioned it to my business partner on one of my projects, it's not Bismar, but Project Pacific Martin. And she goes, oh yeah, I've been doing that something in there for a year. I didn't want to say anything to you. <laughs> like, that's how you know it's working. <laughs> like when something's really working, right. you know, she's like, I don't want to tell anyone. And I get, it didn't hurt my feelings. I was like, oh, well now I know. So you're going to, we got to talk about it a little bit because I found it on my own. That's really, when something really works, that's how people treat it. It's like, we working on a project together. We've made tens of thousands of dollars together over the last two weeks. And she's like, yeah, I still didn't want to tell you. Because <laughs> I don't want you, because you know what it is that I tell you. And then one thing, like I got the thing with my wife about something the other day. And I was like, listen, this is where the secret ends. It's not the middle of the secret circle. If I tell you something, you don't tell anyone. Right, right. right. You, you, you that's how it. that works. You have to be at the top of the thing. There has to be an end of the secret chain. It's a line, not a circle. And that's the thing is that the really good stuff that works People, the only reason people will tell it is if it's scalable. Like I don't mind teaching AI stuff because it's so big that my students can never compete with me. Do I teach them the best of the best, top secret, crazy good stuff? Of course not. There's always going to be something you hold back. Not, and it's not even because I want, don't want them to know. It's because I don't want it to get too distributed out there. And also some of the stuff is very technical and it can be overwhelming. It's a couple of those reasons, but you always have a little bit of the secret sauce have to. to you have something that's proprietary so just be aware that yeah so often people will give you like most people teach what they're not actually doing it's like oh i teach people to do this but you know your model is selling that course like most very few people in real estate are in real estate and teach real estate it's usually one or the other right, right which right. is fine but it's all good so this has been amazing we talked a little bit about hiring a lot about other stuff this guy's again we had amazing guests john weaver tell everyone the best place to find your stuff online I'm all about your website because i know people had a really good time today for sure. So go to, thank you, by the way, for having me on. I really do appreciate it. It's very nice talking with you. I feel like we could quite talk forever. Go to either youtube.com forward slash at John Weberg, John Weberg on YouTube, 
or go to profitalize.com if you want to join a community of entrepreneurs. Other than that, I just wish everyone listening an absolutely amazing day. I want to leave you with two quotes, both of my own. I thought these up when I was about 14. They're pretty good. Aspire for progress, hunger for success, and strive for greatness. Very obvious meaning. The second one is your attitude is not defined by your life. Your life is defined by your attitude. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, John Weberg. Make sure I'll put the links in the show notes. And it's been another amazing episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Making that first dollar online doesn't have to be daunting. I've got you covered. Get my free guide on how to make your first thousand dollars online right now at servemaster.com forward slash 1K. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next week with more tips and tactics on how to escape the rat race. Please take a moment to leave a review at servenomaster.com forward slash iTunes. It helps the show grow and more listeners means more content for you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.